Take a deep breath, take the higher road That's what they always say, as if they know the way They won't take it from me But don't ever doubt yourself, it's life ain't just a dream You make your own, so kick and scream The people will like with a never-ending force You never had the chance, so what you waiting for? The day has come, my friend, cause this is war Welcome to Nurses Out Loud. I am your host, Nurse April, and today I want to talk to you about something that is just, it affects everyone. And I'm sure once I tell you what I want to talk about, you'll be able to relate because I don't believe that anyone on this planet at this point has not been affected by this one very crucial thing. And that happens to be divorce. Now, the reason why I bring this topic up, out of all the topics that we could discuss, and there's so many, I have had a number of people around me, neighbors, colleagues, friends, very close friends, um, and family who have brought up the topic of divorce. Some have gone through with it. And it's, it's been so significant, the increased number of people who have started bringing this topic up to me that it really stood out. Like, maybe this is something that we need to have a discussion about. And I was still vacillating and deciding whether or not I wanted to talk about this. And then the sermon at church Sunday happened to be about divorce and and the actual topic of the, or the title of the sermon was say goodbye to marital regrets. And I thought, okay, God, you want me to talk about this? So let's talk about this. And I'm going to talk about it from my standpoint. I'm going to say some things that might be completely inflammatory and offensive to people. I'm just giving you a warning and you guys know me. I have all of these, you know, theories about all kinds of things, and I'm totally willing to at least put it out there. Um, my diagnosis as to why we're seeing so much divorce and then what it's what it's doing to our society in general. Before I get into the show though, I do want to say a few things. One thing is for months I have been saying the wrong time. Oh my gosh, how embarrassing. First of all, as many of you know, I live in Texas, so I'm on central time. And so when I announce nurses out loud, and the time that our show airs, I have been telling you the wrong time because I'm telling you the time that I listen to it, not what time you guys would listen to it if you were using Eastern Standard Time. So I'm just going to fix that right now. Make the correction. Nurses Out Loud airs Monday through Friday, 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time with an encore at 11 p.m. All of our shows go to podcast a day after they air, and you can listen on any of your favorite podcasting apps. Okay, so if you miss the show, not a problem. Check out the apps, whether it is um, Spotify or Apple or any of your favorite podcasting apps. And you can find the links on the America Out Loud website. So if you miss the show at 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, 9 a.m. in Texas, 
wherever else you live, you know, I can't always do the math right, y'all, and I'm sorry, but just make sure that you listen to our podcast, listen to the recorded shows. What else do I want to tell you? I want to tell you, you have a totally different nurse host daily. So if this is your first time listening, thank you for tuning in and just know that you will get a different opinion and you will get different topics every day from my sister nurses. And everyone has such amazing shows and so many interesting topics that they cover. We're not just talking about things that have to do with healthcare. We talk about everything that's going on in society right now. Um, So tune in and listen. Also support our sponsors because that's what helps us stay on the air. And we are actually on the air globally. We have listeners all over the world and we're so grateful that you all tune in. And so we really hope that you support our show sponsors. There's a new um, website that you can go to. It's called americaoutloud.shop. So it's a different part of the America Out Loud website. But if you go to americaoutloud.shop, you can check out exclusive featured offers. And they, they're giving you negotiated discounts for the America Out Loud listeners. And the codes and the banner ads change often. So check that out regularly if you're looking for a good deal. Because right now, times are hard for most of us. And getting a good deal is always helpful for the bank account. So check that out. We have a new show sponsor, ASEA. You'll hear a lot more about ASEA in the future, but I do want you to check that out as well. They're going to be one of our featured sponsors and you have some great discounts that you can go to. But let me just tell you, we, we really went through different companies trying to decide who was somebody that we wanted to promote. And all of us nurses are very, very critical and selective on what we are willing to promote. I am not going to tell you guys to go and try something out that I don't believe works. And so when ASEA gave us the opportunity to sample their products, I went in thinking, it's not going to work. I don't believe this. It's not going to work. And actually, it turns out that it does. So ASEA has a s- different product lines that you can go to their website and look up. But the ones that, that I tried in particular that I was really impressed by was their water So they have a very special formula for their water. So their water, and also they have a cream for your skin. I gave the cream to my son, who is a teenager, 16 years old. So he's got teenage boy skin, acne, right? So I thought, okay, if this stuff works, I'm really going to see a significant change. I should, if it's, you know, what they say it is, I'm going to see something in his skin. And you guys, I was in shock because his 16 year old acne skin cleared up using this product. So again, check out ASEA, our new show sponsor and try it out for yourself. There's going to be a discount code you can use and just see, and then email us and tell us what you think about it. Let us know if this is a good product that we should stand behind. But so far we all love it. All five of us love ASEA products. So anyway, let me get onto today's topic, which is um, divorce rates. Now, we all know, at least I'm assuming that most of us know, that divorce rates have been pretty much 50% of all marriages end in divorce. And and that's an average. That is kind of a crude number. They put it all together. They don't take out um, the, they don't detail out 
what, what causes the divorces. They don't detail out different statistics. Normally they just kind of give you an average of 50% of all marriages and in divorce. And this has been going on since 2000 and it hasn't changed. It's gone down a little bit. Actually, I was surprised to see that it has gone down a little, but for the most part, we are still, still dealing with this staggering number, but Um, I, and again, you guys know, I always include the show notes. I include links to my sources in the show notes. So this is coming from a Forbes article. Um, What I wanted to point out is that we know half of all marriages, at least in the U.S., end in divorce. But that only applies to first marriages, I want to give you some really interesting statistics about second and third marriages. And the reason why I'm pointing this out is because when you think about divorce and I am speaking from experience, so I completely 100, 1000% understand what it feels like to be in a position in your relationship where you feel like this is the only option I have. Okay. So again, I am not saying this from an outsider's perspective. I'm saying this from an insider's perspective. And you guys have heard me talk about my story. You've heard me talk about divorce in the past and how I've been affected by it. My family has been affected by it, but because people keep going down this route, I have got to weigh in or chime in and tell you what I think about it. So It is the statistics say, I want to read you a few interesting things. Okay. According to the article, there are many nuances in that statistic. So numbers can actually vary greatly depending on your age, your gender, profession, education, religion, income status, country of origin, and so much more. For example, the religion with the lowest rates of divorce happens to be Hindus. And that was coming in at just about 5% of the married population. So only 5% of Hindus actually get divorced, which is really interesting. Now, the the highest rates of divorce amongst those who report being religious are evangelical Protestant Christians. And their divorce rate happens to be 14%. So it's nothing to boast about, but still it falls well below the global group average, right? 14% versus 50 plus percent. Interestingly, also the countries with the lowest divorce rates are Sri Lanka with an average of 0.15%, followed by Guatemala and Vietnam with only 0.20% of their population getting divorced. And the countries who top the list are the Maldives their citizens get divorced around. So they change the statistics and how they report them throughout this article. But their, their statistics are that, that in the Maldives, 5.52 out of every 1,000 citizens will get divorced. Kazakhstan, it's 4.6 per 1,000. And then Russia is 3.9 per 1,000. And so those are the countries that top the list as far as how many people are getting divorced. Um, the reason why I'm bringing it all this up is because when you start to look at the nuances and the numbers you st- and you start to see the significant variations in who's choosing divorce and who's choosing to stay married, it, um, it speaks to me of something that you may not feel at the time, 
which is that you have a choice. People choose to get divorced. Now, I'm going to throw out this caveat. And I hear it all the time. And I'm going to say it because it, it has to be said, especially to people who are struggling with the idea of divorce. I was one who struggled with the idea of divorce coming from a very religious family um, where divorce was not really an option. And in many cases, even in the cases of of abuse, it was very, it was still very much frowned upon. Okay. I am going to say, based on the teachings that I have had throughout my life, from a religious standpoint, from a healthcare professional standpoint, from psychology, and just from experience, there are times when divorce is necessary. And God tells us that too. Okay. If you're with someone who is physically abusing you, please do not feel guilty about leaving for the sake of your own life and safety and for that of your children if you have children. If your spouse is physically abusing you and there is no hope, there is no change happening, you don't see anything happening, the moving in a positive direction, or it's just not safe, go. Leave, okay? So when I, when I am putting out my opinions, please know that I am very reasonable in this, okay? So if, if you're being abused, or here's the other one, adultery, okay? So most people know that when it comes down to religion, religions, the vast majority of religions will say that adultery is uh, a way out when you're in a marriage, a bad marriage. And today, and the sermon actually was interesting. Um, Our pastor was saying that, you know, an affair, one affair is not necessarily what the Bible was speaking of. It was a continuation of affair. It was a person that you're married to who continues to have these adulterous relationships and is not repentant. Repentance. Repentance is when you actually feel so sorry that you stop doing the thing that causes another person pain. Okay. So if you're married to someone who continues to cheat on you, you can leave. You don't have to leave. Okay. But you can leave. So for those of you who are struggling with that, I'm not talking to you. This conversation is not directed at you. This conversation is directed at the rest of us. And I'm putting myself in this situation in, it's hard to, okay, so I want to, I wish I could just spill, spill all the beans, right? Put it all out there, but I'm going to put myself in this, in this conversation because I think that there's parts of my story where I can relate to what I'm going to say, which is if you are not in a situation where you're being abused by your spouse or being cheated on by your spouse regularly, consistently, then Getting divorced is a choice. You are saying, I choose myself over everyone else. And I say everyone else because marriage is not just between the two people. Marriage becomes a union of families. Okay. So you're blending these families together, not just you and your spouse, but you and your spouse, your spouse's family, your family, and the children that you have. 
and your friends, like all the people who, a, who have come together to support your union will also be torn apart by the demise of your marriage. Okay. So what you're saying when you decide to go down that path is I choose me over everyone else. Now let's dig a little deeper into that. Say you're in a marriage and I'm listening to people who are, are telling me their stories and their struggles and their frustrations with their spouse. And oftentimes their frustrations are, he doesn't show me, I'm going to say this because the vast majority of the time I'm dealing with women, of course, talking to women who are struggling. So he doesn't show me the love and affection that I want. I see other people whose husbands do X, Y, and Z. And my husband does not do that for me. My husband doesn't help me with the kids. He doesn't help me around the house. He's not supporting us financially the way that I thought that he would. He's very selfish and he doesn't help blah, blah, blah. Or he doesn't do blah, blah, blah. Or, you know, we struggle financially. He and I are not on the same page when it comes to finances or religion. Our beliefs are very different. You know, some, a lot of women actually don't take these things into consideration before they say I do, such as whether or not you're equally yoked when it comes to your, your religious or your faith-based beliefs. And at the time when you're in this dating relationship, it doesn't seem like a big deal because you've got all of these hormones pulsing through your body and they're just keeping you so excited and so in love that you overlook the things that will later become roadblocks for your peace, for having and sustaining peace in your marriage. So being married to someone who, who has a different set of beliefs, a different set of faith than you may not be a problem in the beginning of your marriage, but once you start having children, or once you've progressed in your marriage for a while and you find maybe yourself is moving more toward um, a stronger faith and wanting to serve in, in your um, religious beliefs and in your community and you want to do things, you don't want to do them alone. You want to be with your spouse and you want to make memories with your spouse and you want to share things that you have in common with them. And so when you marry someone who has a different set of um beliefs and values and who doesn't want to share those moments with you, it can be so difficult to not get upset, to not get frustrated. And when you start to get frustrated because you're feeling like you're being rejected and you're missing out on opportunities to experience and make memories with your spouse. And at the same time, you're seeing other people who are doing the very thing that you want. It's so easy to just look upon that and feel envy and feel jealousy. And that jealousy also then leads to having arguments, right? So fussing and fighting about the differences in religious beliefs is really, really a big thing. And I've seen it actually destroy marriages. And one of the arguments that people have also is like, I, we have children together and I don't want my kids to see my spouse staying home while we go to church. They're not teaching them the, you know, and to uphold the values that I have. Um, these are major. I mean, these are major. Some of the other things that I hear people discuss ending their marriage over is um, that they don't feel attractive to their spouse. I just, he doesn't make me feel 
good about myself anymore. Or he said these things, he has said these things in the past that really tear at, um, tear away at my self-esteem and my self-worth. And we know how that happens. You get into an argument with your spouse and what do we use? If we're not using our actual fists and our bodies to cause physical pain and damage, we are good at using our words and our tongue to lash out like a sword. And we will stab each other in the back with our words because we know the thing that will hurt someone the most, especially when you're married to someone and you know their deepest, darkest secrets. It is so easy to look at that person during an argument and to be so upset and so angry with them that you want to use that very thing that you know would hurt them the most to hurt them the most to, in, the, in an effort to win an argument. Or maybe you're feeling like you're feeling like you're defending yourself and you're trying to ward off all these blows. And the next thing you know, you lash out and you say something you can't take back. And even if you apologize later, the damage is done. How many people have done that? Because I'm over here. I'm raising my hand right now. I have done that too. And so when I'm talking about, you know, the idea of why people are wanting to get divorced and I say, it's you choosing yourself. It's, it's what you're saying is I'm sick of not having the things in my life that I want to make me feel good. I don't want to be miserable when I go home. I want to have fun. I want to have sex. I want to have great sex. I want, and these, I want what she has. I see that her and her husband are so happy and I want that. One of the things that um, is a struggle for me when I have this conversation with people, and I've talked to you guys about this too, is that I have gone through um, a divorce and I am remarried. And so I was married the first time for 17 years and got divorced. I got married when I was 17 years old and 17 years later. So I was 34. um, I was divorced. I am remarried and my second marriage is a blessing from God, truly a gift from God. So people look at me and they think, I want what she has. And I would do the same thing, to be honest with you. If I was still in my first marriage, knowing me, I would probably be doing the exact same thing. I would be looking at me thinking, why can't I have that? She's married. I mean, she's remarried. She's on her second marriage and she's much happier. So if I just choose to divorce this dude, (laughs) maybe I can find my Prince Charming. But I need to say this. When the statistics say that first marriage ends in 50% of the first marriages will end, second marriages end at 67%. So 67% of second marriages will end. And 73% of third marriages are dissolved. So chances are, if you are thinking, I cannot get along with this dude, I just can't, or this woman, she is just not the one for me. And if I could just end this marriage and then 
find the right person, then all will be well. Well, statistically speaking, the cold hard, hard truth is more than likely that second marriage is not going to work. And most definitely the statistics are not in your favor for your third marriage. So what does that say? Well, when I was doing my research for this and really thinking about it, praying about it and pondering it, I think what it says is we as a society have become like children. One of the pastors at my former church used to have this saying, and he would say it pretty often. And a lot of times he would say it when he was referring to marriages and it is so true. And it has stuck with me. And I mean, i probably have said it in the past, but I'm going to say it again before I go to break, because I want you to really think about this. When I say that we have become like children and our divorce rates reflect this childish attitude that we have, the reason why I believe so many marriages end in divorce is because we say to ourselves, I want what I want and I want it now. On the other side of this break, I'm going to dig into that some more and I want to flush that out and show you what that looks like in an effort to maybe hopefully help maybe one or two of you out there who's really on the edge and really considering moving towards filing for divorce. I just, I just want to give you a little more to think about. Stick with us on the other side of the break. We'll talk more about this. It's time and this is Millions of Americans are needlessly suffering from the long-haul effects of the toxic spike protein. Dr. Peter McCullough and his team at The Wellness Company designed their spike support formula to counteract harmful spike protein from COVID-19 and vaccines so you can feel your best. Go to OutLoudCare.com today and use code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first order. Trouble concentrating or recalling information is frustrating, embarrassing, and kills productivity. Nutrition company Healthy Cell created Focus and Recall to boost your brain power. And unlike other supplements that don't work, Focus and Recall is not a pill. It's a gel you swallow with ultra-absorption of science-backed ingredients to help you immediately sharpen focus and strengthen recall. Go to HealthyCell.com and use limited time code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first order, risk-free. Love it or your money back, guaranteed. HealthyCell.com, code OUTLOUD. Loud. You wouldn't go a day without brushing your teeth or washing your hands. What about washing your nose? I mean, your nose does filter the air you breathe, air loaded with bacteria, viruses, and irritants. Make nasal hygiene part of your routine with Clear. No messy bottles to fill, no drowning sensation. Clear is a natural drug-free saline with the added benefit of xylitol, which blocks bacterial and viral adhesion. Available in stores and online at clear.com. That is X-L-E-A-R.com. Hey, welcome back to Nurses Out Loud. I am your host, Nurse April. And um, before the break, we were talking about divorce and the exceedingly high rates of divorce. And this is a, it's, you know, pretty much a global issue. I'm not just going to point out one particular group or society, but for the most part, the statistics that I have are coming from the Western countries. So I'm really talking to those of us who are living in these really developed nations who are so autonomous and we want to do our own thing and we 
Um, we live in societies that allow us to do this. Uh, it didn't used to be such uh, an easy thing to do, which is to get divorced. There was a time when getting divorced was based on fault. And now that we have no fault divorce, which means that you can just kind of get divorced for whatever reason. And, you know, it's not up to the judge to determine whether or not you have a good enough reason for the divorce. A lot of people are like, you know what, I'm, I'm going to do that because I'm not happy. Fair enough. You're not happy. Before the break, I mentioned that I used to go to a church and the pastor, when he would talk about marriage, he would talk about how we have this very immature, childish view of life. And that is that we say we have these childlike tantrums and we say, I want what I want and I want it now. And isn't that really what happens in divorce? We go through a long enough time, depending on the person, of course, maybe, you know, you've been married for a shorter time. Maybe you've been married for decades and something is not changing. Something's not going the way you want it to go. And you finally say, you know what? I'm done. I want what I want whatever that is. Maybe it is um, that you want a husband. Again, we talked before, I want a husband who's romantic, or I want a husband who, um, who does things for me, who helps me out around the house, helps me with the children, or I want a husband who I can rely on, who supports me financially, or I want a spouse, a wife who is faithful to me, who's not cheating on me, or I want you know, you have all of these things. I want a partner who's, who's spiritually on the same page or politically on the same page. Uh, we have all of these different things. We may be married to someone who has aged and we're like, you know what? I'm just not attracted to you anymore. And I want, I want to trade you in for a younger model. Or tragically, we have a spouse who's, got, who's become sick, who requires a lot more attention. They're not the same person that we married. And we don't want to continue to carry that burden of caring for someone in that stage of their life. And we're just done. There's so many, many reasons why people say I'm done. And what happens is when you're saying you're done, you're also saying, I want what I want over what's best for everyone else. And the difference between, I think the way we used to think and the way that we think now is before there was, it, we had a more service minded culture taking care of each other, taking care of others was important and valued. But now we have a culture that's all about me, 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 and me some more. Selfies, look at me. You know, we've got, I want this. We are marketed constantly through our phone and through our, you know, online, through driving down the street. I mean, everything everywhere is all about trying to sell us something to get us to buy something for ourselves or for others in an effort to please ourselves still. And because we have this attitude of me, me, and a little bit more of me, it's really, really hard to take that cold, hard look in the mirror and say, I am a selfish person and I need to stop focusing on what I want and start focusing on what I can do for others. Now, I tell this to my kids all the time. When you start feeling sad and depressed, your life is not going the way you want it to go. Rather than focus on what you are wanting and not getting, Take the time to focus on what you can do for someone else. Now, that is a hard thing for people to do. Most people, I think, struggle with that 
because it's so easy to get lost in your feelings and in your emotions. Because, you know, it's something that being inside of of yourself is something you cannot escape. You can't escape the feeling of loneliness. Well, let me, let me not say you cannot escape it, but it's there and you're feeling it when you feel lonely or you feel like you're not being loved or appreciated when you don't feel like you're on the same page, when you feel like there's this constant bickering and battling, there is no peace in your home. That is something that's constantly with you and it can be so difficult to cope with. But I have learned from personal experience that when I really fill myself with the act of serving others, I don't have time to think about my own troubles. I find myself actually appreciating the things that I have much, much more when I'm helping other people. For instance, as an example, I have a cousin who was in a motorcycle accident many years ago. He was once in the military. He was a strong, good-looking man who traveled. He always had women. He was very, very like fun to be around. He liked to party, all the things, right? Well, he loved riding motorcycles, still would ride a motorcycle to this day had it not been for the fact that he was riding on his motorcycle one day, got hit by a truck and ended up paralyzed. And when I found myself taking care of my cousin during that time, it truly made me value the ability to walk. I was never really athletic, but when I would think about my cousins not being able to walk and me being able to walk, it made me want to walk. It made me want to run for him because he couldn't, but I knew that he would if he could. And so when you're looking at other people, because I could sit there and complain and be like, oh, woe is me. And I have, and I'm saying this from experience, I am just not the size that I want to be. I look in a mirror and I don't like how my clothes fit. I don't like how I look when I'm naked. And the solution to that would be what? Eat less, work out more, right? But it's so hard. It's so hard to do that. And so then I just continue in this woe is me state. And then from a marriage standpoint, here I am feeling bad about myself and the way that I look. And I'm looking at my spouse who may be looking at other women. And now I'm really feeling low because not only am I not feeling good and sexy about myself, I'm not getting that affirmation from my spouse, who's really the only one who should be giving it to me. And he's looking at other people and he's being turned on by other people, especially when you think about the reality of what we're dealing with right now with pornography being so huge. Like in my first marriage, pornography was a big big deal. And it was back then it was like videotape. And then the internet came around and it was like online, but it wasn't quite as prevalent as it is now. Like now it is like everywhere. It's, it's in the schools now, right? You, students can read books about sexually suggestive and overt sexual um, activities in middle school. Okay. So, but even in my first marriage, when, when there was this real battle, like such a battle with feeling 
like, I'm not good enough because I can't compare to these women who my husband is looking at and lusting after. And I'm feeling bad about myself. And I am like, feeling like I don't, I, you know, and I, let me just say this too. I, I personally believe that looking at pornography is cheating. And I know a lot of women agree with this and men, you guys are going to be like, what? That's not cheating. Check it out. It is to most of us. And if your wife feels like you're cheating on her and you keep doing it, well, you're asking for, you are asking for your marriage to end. You are not listening to her when she is telling you that that activity that you're engaging in is putting a major divide between your relationship with your spouse. I mean, it is such a significant thing. I know so many people who have divorced over pornography and even in the Bible, for those of you who have faith, um, Christian faith, you, what does the new Testament teach us that if you look at another person with lust, you have already committed adultery with them in your heart. And it's true because adultery starts with thoughts and then it advances from there. So if you want to prevent adultery, you've got to get to the very, very heart of where it starts. And that is in your head. Control your thoughts, control your behaviors. So when you have things like um, situations where you're like, oh, woe is me, right? I was telling you before when I started this, I'm looking at my cousin who can't walk. And now I'm thinking in my act of service towards taking care of someone who cannot do something, who is in need, I'm actually getting a moment to really reflect on myself and what choices I'm making and what excuses I'm making that are leading to my, my life being less than stellar in my eyes. And for me feeling insecure and feeling sadness and bringing that insecurity and that sadness into a marriage and then and drawing the whole marriage down. Because if one, if one of the spouse is unhappy, both of the spouses are unhappy. So if your insecurities are dragging down your marriage, and let me, let me just say this, this is another issue that I personally can completely 100% relate to when you're married to a, someone who is very insecure it will drag the marriage down so quickly. It is a prison. It is like a prison being married to someone who is constantly feeling sorry for themselves and constantly worried about what you think about them and what other people think about them and how they're not good enough. And I mean, it's a total drag. So for any of you guys listening who happens to be that person, please, fix it. Please fix it for the sake of your marriage and for yourself and for everyone around you. Fix it because it's not fair. Life is not all about you. Life is not all about how you look. Life is not all about what you have. Life is about so much more. You can find so much more joy if you stop worrying about if you're good enough or if you're better than someone else. Like, come on, guys. We have so many problems in our world right now. And I believe that so many of our problems start with this fixation on self and this unwillingness to come outside of that fixation 
and to care for the needs of others. So little backstory for me, um, I and my husband, my first husband got married when I was 17. And of course, at that age, you're completely still children growing up together. And so what you would expect from two children, two teenagers getting married is a bunch of insecurity and um, a, there's completely a lack of wisdom from both sides. Um, you're going to have a lot of financial struggles. You're going to have a lot of um, a lot of difficulty when it comes to growing up together. So my husband and I got married. We both went to college at the same time. So right after we got married, we moved in together and we start, he was already in college. I was starting college. And then we had the, the added stressor of getting pregnant about five months after getting married. So now I'm 18 years old, pregnant with my first child and we're both in college. Can't can barely pay our bills. We probably, well, we couldn't pay our bills. Like we, we did the best we could. And then his parents would help supplement with, you know, things like paying our gas and our car insurance. And then my parents would supplement by taking care of our son um, and providing us with that opportunity for daycare while we were in class or at work. And so without our parents, y'all, we would have totally failed. We, we couldn't have finished our degrees. Um, e I can't, well, we could have, but it would have been even harder. I don't know how we would have done it, but in all of that, imagine all of the stress you're still dealing with two children married who are still, so my husband at the time was still looking at other women because he was a young man and I became a mother and, you know, things changed. I didn't look like I did before I had the baby. And now he's looking at these girls in class who look amazing, who don't look like they just had a baby and they're playing into his ego. They're stroking his ego and they're making him feel like you're the man, you know, and here I am at home being a mom and being a wife. And just when you struggle with insecurities, one person, it depends on how insecure you are, but one person telling you how wonderful you are isn't always enough. You need to hear it from a lot of people. And so I could tell him all day that he was, you know, the sun and the moon and the stars to me. But if somebody else tells him, then it's like, ooh, you think so? And then, of course, as you, you know, can imagine, things progress because it starts in the it starts in the mind and you slowly start to cross lines that you say you won't cross. You redraw the line, you cross the next one, and you continue to do that until you've gone as far as you can go. Now, because we were both, you know, going to church and religious, and I mean, the reason why we got married in the first place is because we were trying to do the right thing. Although the Bible says, yes, you can divorce um, because of adultery. It doesn't say you have to. And so if you can find a way to forgive one another and then let go of the past and move forward anew, then do it, do it. Um, in my marriage, it's, it's complicated in my first marriage because my husband at the time wouldn't even admit to cheating. So for years it was, it was like, did you, but 
no, he won't admit it. And then it was like, but all these things, I have all this evidence, but you, you know, not admitting to it is really hard. So anyway, we went through that for years. We went through um, dealing with uh, questions of fidelity for several years. And we still, we had more kids after that. Um, and we still struggled with a lot of insecurity, a lot of financial struggles again, because we were young and we were growing together. And so having the weight of struggling financially, struggling with raising four children together, struggling with questions of fidelity. And then, so even though in, you know, my husband did things and I, you know, caught him doing things, there came a point when I too was doing things. So I had an affair while we were married and told him about it. And so now having this struggle of knowing, okay, she cheated on me. How do I forgive her for that? And going to counseling, of course we did the counseling and and, and our pastor even told us, look, you guys are both in the same boat. So neither one of you can really cast stones at each other. So either you're going to forgive each other, leave it in the past and move forward, or you're just going to have to end the marriage and walk away. Well, we agreed to stick with it because we wanted to, we wanted to honor our um, vows to one another. We loved each other and we had children together. So we didn't want to end our marriage. So we continued on for another 10 years, trying really, really hard to hold it together. In the end, I got to this point where I was like, you know what? He can't forgive me. And if he can't forgive me, which was leading to so much um, frustration, I was so frustrated because when you're in a situation in a marriage, and I'm sure a lot of you will be able to relate to this, but if you are in a marriage where there has been infidelity and there's trust issues and you can't get over it, Every single thing that that person does, you're going to be questioning. And in order to cope, you're going to put boundaries around. And boundaries are important. Don't get me wrong. But you start to to, um, squeeze a person with your boundaries until you are suffocating them. And so the way that I felt was that I was feeling like I was being suffocated. My ex-husband would say, you can't do this. You know, I don't want it got to the point where he was like, I don't want you talking to other men at work. I don't want you being friends with other men. Unless you're talking about something work-related, you shouldn't be having conversations with other men. And I was like, okay, this is completely unrealistic, especially because at the time I was in a program to become a first assist. And so I was trying to get my training done. And so I'm like, I can't even get my training done because he doesn't want me working with male physicians because he felt very insecure about that. And even when I do finish my training, if I finish my training, I won't be able to get a career going or business going because he doesn't want me working with male physicians. He doesn't want me talking to these men. I can't, I just can't do this. So I was looking at that. And then I was looking at overall what our marriage looks like because my my ex-husband was very much a homebody. He didn't like to go places really. He was very much like into playing video games and staying at home, watching sports. That was his thing and that was his happy place. I on the other hand loved to travel and go places and try new things and do new things 
And so it was like, I felt like, come on, let's do this. Let's do that. Let's try something. Let's grow and, you know, expand. And, you know, I just, there was so much I wanted to do that I felt like I could not do because he was holding us back. That's, that's the way I saw it. Now, of course, you guys, his story of our marriage and the, and the final demise of our marriage is going to be different than mine. So this is from my standpoint. So from my standpoint, I was so miserable. I mean, 17 years into our marriage and I was like, I can't do this anymore. I really literally cannot continue moving in this direction. If I stay married, I'm going to just, I'm going to jump off of a roof. I can't do this. I'm going to just kill myself. That's how I felt. And I mean, so dramatic, you guys, I was so dramatic, but in the moments I felt that. And looking back on it and really looking at these divorce statistics, realizing that divorce is a choice. Uh, When I look back on marriage, my marital choices, could I have stayed married? Yes. Yes, I could. Was I miserable? Yep. But what I, but what ended my marriage really was that mindset of, I want what I want and I want it now. I wanted to be married to someone who was completely secure, who didn't have all of these, this baggage that he could keep throwing back up every time we had uh, an argument or anytime he felt uncomfortable or insecure. I wanted someone who had never cheated on me, who I could trust completely. Um, I wanted someone who had ambition and drive and who was a strong spiritual leader who would um, lead me and not the vi- not vice versa, me leading him. And I didn't want to wait. I felt like, gosh, it's been so long. It's been this long. He's still not growing into the man that I want him to be. And I just can't take it anymore. And I made the choice to leave. And y'all know, cause I've said it in the past and I will continue to say it. And my husband, my current husband knows this, how I feel. And I know how he feels as well, but for the sake of our children, divorce truly was a bad decision. My selfish choice of divorcing, cause it was my choice, broke my children's hearts. And it really took them off of this path that they were on where they were really moving in a great direction. And I can't say for sure if I had stayed married, if they would have achieved and accomplished all of the goals that I had set in my mind for them to do. And I can't say that had I stayed married, my son wouldn't have you know, fallen into this cult um, of LGBTQ because my, my son is currently a practicing member of the LGBTQ plus cult. And um, I can't say if having stayed, that would have been avoided, but I do believe it would. I do believe, and I blame myself for him being in this place because I chose wrong. I chose bad. Am I happier now? Yes. You guys know I'm happier now. But it is not without paying a huge price 
And so I say all of the things that I say in an effort to save someone from the agony of divorce. Because although I am in an a great marriage with a wonderful man who is all of the things that I wanted, not everyone's going to get that. I recognize that because I see it. I see so many people who get remarried and then end up divorced again. So the statistics play out consistently. I believe one of the reasons why my husband and I um, do have such a good relationship is because we are committed to it. We are committed to avoiding that trap of divorce again, because we recognize that choosing divorce is very a very selfish choice. And it also is a choice that we don't have to make. We have to stay committed to one another, regardless of what happens. Now, I talked in the beginning about the whole thing when it comes to abuse, physical abuse, and adultery. So aside from all that, there is no reason for my husband and I to get divorced, really. And we've discussed the whole issue of adultery. He knows where I stand on that. I know where he stands. And so since neither of us want to experience that and neither of us want to taint our marriage with that, that's off the table. And ha- and let me also say this, having having done it, I promise you, it's not worth it. If you're thinking about having an affair, let me just go ahead and let you know right now, it is not worth it. As fun as you think it is right now, if you're already in it, there will come a point when you will look back with deep regret. I learned this. I've talked about this in a previous episode when I was talking about the whole idea of, you know, not having sex before marriage and this this movement toward Uh, celibacy a second time around. One thing you will never, ever regret that I learned having been married very early, um, having been in a marriage where there was adultery and having a new marriage and having an opportunity to start it the right way the second time around. Here's what you will never regret. You will never regret not having sex with someone before marriage. And why I say that is because number one, if you as a woman, now this doesn't necessarily apply to all men, men who have um, a belief in God, this will, but for men who don't, this doesn't apply to you, but listen anyway, because maybe one day it will. If you choose not to have sex with someone and you break up, you don't have that regret of knowing that you gave something so precious away to someone who's no longer in your life. You don't have to regret having shared something so intimate with someone who's now a stranger. Number two, if you don't have sex with someone and you do end up getting married, then your wedding will be amazing. Your wedding night will be wonderful, a gift. So either way you win, either way, by following the wisdom taught in the Bible, not having sex before marriage, is the winning option. Hands down. Speaking from someone who knows. Hands down. So when it comes down to divorce, I can honestly say, and my husband will say the same, my, my, my current husband, he completely agrees 
I mean, this isn't something that's hidden from him. I, I know where he stands and I know where he knows where I stand. He really, really, really hates that his first marriage ended in divorce. And it was not his choice either. His wife, his first wife chose to divorce him, but it's not what he wanted. It's not what he wanted. And he sees how it affected his boys and, and how it just tore him up. And so, you know, he and I both agree divorce is not the option. Whatever you do, whatever choices that you can make to change the way you think, to work in service of others is the key to a successful marriage. If we want to see these marriage, I mean, these divorce rates drop significantly to rates like they have in Sri Lanka, for instance, or Guatemala or Vietnam, because obviously if those countries are successful in maintaining marriages, it's because they have chosen that route. How do we choose a different way of thinking and living? How do we stop dividing our nation and disrupting our nation? Well, we, we have to choose to stop being so selfish because life isn't all about you. Life is so much more than what you want. It is about what you can do for others. Marinate on that. And tell me what you think. We have a new email. It's nurses at americaoutloud.com. Wait, hold on. Let me make sure I got that right. Yeah, yeah. It's nurses at americaoutloud.com. So I know before we used to tell you to send us emails through the link on the website, americaoutloud.com. But now we have this one set up specifically so that we're getting them and it doesn't have to be filtered to us. This is direct. Now we're getting them. So send us emails and let us know what your thoughts are. If you disagree with me, which I highly suspect that a lot of people will, I am completely expecting that. And I want to hear from you. Tell me why you think we struggle so much with divorce and tell me what you think could fix the problems that are just wreaking havoc on the citizens of our nation globally. How can we fix this or is it too late? This is nurses out loud. And my goal here is to shine a light in the darkness. It's time and